Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Running Effect podcast with Dominic Schleter. I'm your host, Dominic, and back on the podcast today is the one and only Cole Sprout. For those who aren't familiar with Cole, he's a junior at Stanford University, and over the past few years, Cole has slowly cemented himself as one of the top runners in the NCAA. I want to say this past indoor season, he ran 356 in the mile and 1324 in the 5K, and then he's also a multi-time All-American, both on the track and on the grass. Today's conversation was very, very deep and uh, philosophical, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It may take a little bit for you guys to adjust to the topic and conversation at hand but it's truly just a raw conversation with a friend and exploring some deep topics and i'm so confident that you will walk away from this conversation a better version of yourself i can certainly say that was the case for myself and i'm always inspired by the amount of wisdom and depth that cole provides on the podcast and today was no exception before we hop into today's episode i would greatly appreciate it if you guys give us a five-star review and a follow on spotify or apple podcasts If you have not yet done so already, it takes between 5 and 10 seconds of your time and helps us out exponentially. And then something all of you can do right now is share the show or today's episode with a friend, a teammate, a family member, someone you think would find positive benefit from listening to the podcast. Doing that helps us to reach new people and hopefully inspire them in the process. So without further ado, I hope you all enjoy my conversation with the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Cole Sprout. Ladies and gentlemen, Cole Sprout and Dominic Schleter are men of the people. I see DM requests all the time or in the Spotify comments, get Cole Sprout back on the podcast. When I ask people what their favorite episodes were, you know, I hear Cole Sprout's name floated around. So naturally, we're men of the people. We had to bring him back on. So Cole Sprout, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great being here. I feel like you're a household name, you know, three times on the podcast, (laughs) second time in like two months. You know, you're going to, I'm going to start to have to pay you, man, like an NIL deal or something. Honestly, yeah. Oh, yeah. NIL deal for sure. No, it's making, it's becoming a weekly thing now. Yeah, I'm curious, actually, on the, on the topic of NIL, how big of a thing is that at Stanford? I know like running, well, I guess I was going to say not really running, but your teammate and friend Charles Hicks (laughs) signed a NIL deal with Nike. So like, how big is that within your inner circle of people? Yeah, well, it's interesting because between like Kai, Charles and I, obviously Charles and I are, are citizens of, of the US. So that that doesn't seem like that important of a piece, but Kai being Australian, like he can't technically do NIL stuff while being here because his visa doesn't support that. It's, I think he has a strictly education uh, visa. So he's been he's been trying to find ways of trying to partake in NIL stuff while still being a student here. So that, that's that been kind of uh, an interesting um, problem that I didn't really think about when I first like started getting into the NIL space. But um, it, yeah, it's it's interesting. Charles, like Charles has, um, with his Nike deal, I think that's like a really huge stride in terms of uh, kind of NIL in the running world because um, that's a pretty big deal for, for Nike to to, to, to do that. Um, I think that was one of the first, first deals they made, um, if not the first. So, um, I know Charles was super pumped about that. And when he was telling me about like prospectively doing that, I was like, Oh yeah, that sounds so sick. Like that's, that's incredible. Um, cause I mean, we're both, we're all big Nike guys, um, just like working out and, and running and all their stuff. You kind of, I don't know, you learn to love their stuff. Um, and it works for us, but, um, 
yeah at like an edge like at the school university level um stanford is a little more hesitant to adopt a lot of the nil stuff um it is it, yeah it's interesting like other other pac-12 schools um have kind of created like this nil pot of money to almost like at, through the university sponsor athletes um and subsidize them um and we're we're a little late to that game but um hopefully you know in the next couple years or so um we we get onto it but yeah what were your first impressions when that nil things went down because i know it was mixed opinions but it seemed like the vast majority of athletes were like obviously fully for it totally yeah i mean i i definitely was for it i mean what's nice is like or i guess what is nice now um is you know we use a lot of products and obviously paying for it is like a necessary it's like a requirement for the sport like oh i want to perform well so i'll, I'll buy such and such shoes and gear and um electrolyte mix and whatever it is and so you kind of have to do it you do what you have to do but to to collaborate with different brands and um you know make make money off of like the the platform you've built um as an athlete is is a cool opportunity yeah i guess like that that was a really um it, it was a new dynamic to to be able to reach out to different companies or them reach out to you and um, brands that i normally use like i've i've uh i worked with garmin like over this past summer um, and I've worn their watches for almost as long as I've been running. So um, it, it just it introduced like a really cool dynamic. And I think almost everybody was pretty, pretty um, quick to kind of jump onto it. Um, but still with it being so new, it, it took like a, a fair amount of, of time just for companies, brands, and even athletes to learn how to negotiate and, and just like work around this NIL space, this like new and unprecedented space. Um, especially as an athlete, I think it's difficult to uh, to try and advocate for yourself and know what to take, what not to. Um, so I've had to I've had to become a little more business minded than uh, my uh, CS Simpsons degree would would allow. Um, so I'm learning a lot of new stuff, um, getting engaged with all of that, which has been cool. Business negotiations, like even with podcast deals and stuff, it's so technical, confusing, and you learn along the way. Like there are certain things I did in the past that today I would be like, no, like why didn't you ask for a higher price or like different things like that? So we're going to take a 90 degree turn. Sometimes with guests who I know particularly can go deeper, I've gone deep with in the past and last exam or last episode I did with you was certainly an example of that. I'll bring up a quote to start out the episode. I did not anticipate that deep dive into NIL, although I appreciate it. So I'm going to I'm going to say a quote. Uh, This quote I came across yesterday and it's been in my mind. I've been thinking through it. uh, So I'll bring it up. I want to hear your thoughts on it. The quote is everyone wants the quick fix, but nobody realizes the quickest fix is the longest path. That's a good that's an interesting quote. Um, Yeah, man. I mean, I it's interesting because like on TikTok, my algorithm has kind of learned that I like these deep meaning kind of like. I know exactly what you're talking about because my Instagram algorithm is like that. Very cerebral and um, wise sounding quotes, right? Um, And and so that kind of reminds me of like the different things that I see where a diff. I don't know if it was Shia LaBeouf said this or or something, but um, it's in like the these moments of 
suffering, pain, and um, this long, tumultuous journey that you realize, you know, you you have like that that that's where the all the joy came from. It wasn't like these these the times where you were happy and it was and your life was full of joy and you learned nothing. It was in it was in like some of the more objectively terrible times and you look back and you're like, wow, like that's exactly what I needed. You know, that was a the the fix to what I was going through. I, I didn't gain any any deeper understanding of myself and of of the world I live in through through flourishing. Um, in fact, it's like the opposite that that gives us this deeper meaning and 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 unconditional joy in like our in in our despite circumstance, right? So when you learn to enjoy the process, especially when it's difficult, you you realize like, oh, that's that's the point, right? Um, that that's kind of what it made me think of um, in like a more. I don't know, a different sense, I guess. Right. Um, I want to hear your thoughts, though, because that's a I like that quote. I, I don't think I've ever heard that before. I hadn't until yesterday. And I was like, oh, it's always cool. the quotes. It's always the quotes that kind of um, trick you right with the wording. So the first half is like everyone wants the quick fix, but nobody realizes the quickest fix is the longest path. It's confusing because the beginning yeah. talks about the quick fix and then it ends with the longest path, which is like contradictory. Yeah. It's always the quotes it's that have like contradictory things, but they make yeah. sense. That makes mm -hmm. your mind think and you're like, whoa, like let me think deeper yeah. on this. I never thought of it like that. Um, no, it's totally like turning the idea of what we constitute as like this. I don't know. People want, yeah, people want the, a quick fix, but in reality, the only fix quick or slow is is to is the long path right the long journey, right here's yeah. how i interpret it is i think to freshmen in high school who want to get really good in the sport and mm -hmm. they are looking for these quick fixes these quick things they can do spending 250 dollars on vapor flies or you know <laughs> buying some hydration mix or these things that they think are going to instantly bring them to you know a state all-american finish or you know, a crazy PR or whatever it might be. And what I've always told those kids or kids who reach out to me through Instagram who listen to the podcast is like running or anything in life, what brings it meaning is its long journey and its long path. And kind of as you were just talking about bringing kind of the two quotes together, the one you shared and the one I shared, like what brings achievements meaning is the hard journey to get there. And I think a lot of people think that to get to the end result, like they're always looking for the quick fix, but the quick fix is just doing the work day after day after day for years on end. Like it's yeah. another quote, like Rome wasn't built in a day, but they were laying bricks like every single day, right? Yes. And a lot of people maybe back then in Rome were like, what's the quick fix to build an empire really quick? Um, and they probably quickly realized that the quick fix is just to hammer down every single day and focusing on being the best version of yourself every single day. And that's like maybe not like the quick fix, but it's going to yeah. get you there faster than taking shortcuts. I think of freshmen in high oh, school again yeah, who are like trying to take the quick fix. So maybe they jump up their mileage really quickly and start to do really hard workouts. In the moment, it might be kind of a quick fix where they accumulate fitness quickly. But Cole, you know this all too well. Like those kids, they're going to get injured really quickly. They're going to have yeah. to take months off and then they're going to have to start from zero. So what appeared to be a quick fix ended up being 
valley because they're just stuck in this rut uh, because they're searching for the quick fix and then they get out because the quick fix is never the answer. Whereas the kid who approaches high school, and I think you approached it this way of like, okay, how can I be sustainably great and get to my goals in a sustainable manner and take the maybe the long path, but the sustainable one and the one that's going to get me to my results. And through that, sure, you had your your set of um, shortcomings and setbacks, but it was like with that mindset of enjoying the process and focusing on the process and not searching for the quick fix, you were able to train smartly and focus on the day-to-day. And through that, the results came and, you know, 402 miler, you know, NXN qualifier, all that stuff we've talked about in the past. So that's a long rant, but I think uh, mm-hmm. that kind of puts it in perspective of like, there's one path or there's the other path. And the one path always looks sexier in the beginning, but it's kind of just <laughs> yeah. like a quick hit to fitness and then it's, you know, high risk. Um, yes. Whereas the other yeah. path is more sustainable and the results are going to come better from that. No, that, that's great. And and what I was thinking of was almost pushing this point to the extreme is like, no, there's no quick fix. And arguably there is no fix. There's just the process. What is there a destination? I don't know. Is that a, is that a good way of thinking about it? Is that is that limiting yourself unnecessarily? Um, I think that's a that's a very David Goggins esque way of um, <laughs> interpreting it. Is just thinking like um, you know I there is no there is no destination. There only is the process. You know that is the fix. Is consistency is laying that brick every day, day after day, right? Um, like that that's all there is because I, I don't know the way I see it, like every time I reach a goal like there's immediately I think of what I what I can do next so it's like this as I see it, like a never-ending cycle at what point are you satisfied um and that's you know it's that's such a huge question <laughs> but it I don't know that's such a thought-provoking um thought <laughs> oh yeah 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 dude I don't know that's so good though I freaking love our conversations. <laughs> We're only 15 yeah. minutes into it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is awesome, yeah. man. I love our conversations. No, I, lo- I love the quotes. It's such like a, I don't know. Yeah, it, it gets the mind going and, you know, it, there's there's so much so much you can talk about. You can our kids like, one day are going to listen to this and be like, what were our dads talking about? <laughs> but going yeah. off of what you were saying, well, one thought is yeah. like these conversations are always the most impactful as like when you're searching for the answers within these questions and knowing that thousands of kids who are going to listen are also probably pondering these questions or are going to now. Um, and yeah, that's, be, right. that's why these conversations are like meaningful. And I'm not saying I won't ask you about like your training or races later on in this conversation, but it's like mm-hmm. almost like a lot of times I view those conversations as shallow um, oh. because they're unrelatable to a lot of people. Like how many mm-hmm. listeners can relate to a 28, 30, 10 K or whatever you just ran? Like mm-hmm. very few. Uh, so it's talking about the, the parts of that race and the parts that have made you the person and athlete that kind of make these conversations relatable and meaningful to the audience and to the listener, and most importantly, bring them value and benefit. But going off of what you were saying, um, I really love that thought. And there was a, a quote, a saying I came across that is equally thought provoking and kind of encapsulates what you were saying, that the journey is the destination, which I thought was really interesting. Like Mm -hmm. the journey itself is the destination kind of as you were talking about. And I don't know. I think there's some truth to that because as you could win every NCAA championship, like in every season you have left and you'd probably still want more as remarkable Mm -hmm. as it would be. You would then be like, when's the U S championships? Like, how do I make like a world team or Olympic team? And then once you do that, it's like, 
oh, how do I win a medal? And then once you do that, how can I win a gold medal? And then once you do that, how can I break a world record? And then once you do that, it's like, how much further can I go? And that's why I think it's important to cherish the little moments. And um, as I'm here as a senior in high school, I have actually had thoughts that I kind of regret not cherishing the moments my sophomore and freshman year when I was searching for the next thing so much that looking back on those accomplishments now, I'm like, wow, that was really impressive. Why didn't I soak that in? And that moment I was searching for the next thing, but years removed from it, I'm like, I would do anything to go back and, you know, give that kid a hug and be like, soak this in. That performance was awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and the fact that the the performance itself is like, um, like a fraction of a percent of everything that constitutes that performance, right? Everything that led up to it is, is really what is, is meaningful about it. So if you can't, if you can't learn to acknowledge and cherish all those moments, like you don't, you really can't, uh, you can't appreciate the moment when you're in it. So that's something that I'll, I'll never perfect, but is, is what I'm always trying to get better at because it's, it's such a valuable in such like a life-giving mindset to have just to, uh, I saw a video um, last night and it was, um, <laughs> it was Steve Harvey talking about um, saying, changing, like, I don't know, you know, the, it's common to be like, oh, I have to get up and go to work and I have to go to school today and I have to go and run 10 miles this morning and I don't want to. Um, but if you change just like one word in that and saying like, I get to it, it like immediately changes like the the meaning of of what you're doing and it changes the entire mindset you have yeah that's i mean it's it's everything yeah but um in a recent podcast i did with very close friend and mentor alex osberg he said this mm. saying that i turned into a quote because it's so quote worthy in the podcast that when i was going through the episode editing it and looking for like you know what i do with the graphics i throw up a quote on the on the podcast graphic for promotion mm. Um, I found this, him saying this, and I think it encapsulates everything we're saying really well and is kind of thought provoking for me in this stage of my life. Alex said, so often we rush through ordinary moments waiting for the promise that extraordinary moments have to offer. And only in hindsight, do we realize that those ordinary moments sometimes hold the most meaning? Mm-hmm. I think it's so true. A lot of times, maybe I'll look on Spotify's charts like this past week. I'm like, oh, we're on Spotify's charts for top sports podcasts for the third week in a row. Like truly remarkable. Then I go scrolling on the other app. (laughs) This conversation right now, even though it may seem like an ordinary moment, is so much more meaningful to me than like any result. And I think Mm -hmm. you could probably, I mean, maybe speak on this, talk about the same thing of like the races are really meaningful, but a lot of times it's just the, the double, you know, the second run of the day or, you know, the hanging out with friends and watching the sunset that sometimes holds the most meaning and in the moment maybe isn't extraordinary, but looking back on it, you're like, even though it was an ordinary moment, it had a spice of extraordinariness. And reaching any success requires so much. It's so ordinary and, and boring to be consistent doing the same thing every day, because that's what, that's what constitutes success at the end of the day. If you were to, if you were to look back from the result and into the process that, that made you arrive there, you you have to pretty much be disciplined enough to get up and you know do the same thing every day. Um, and it isn't very 
it's not sexy at all. It's not that interesting um, while you're doing it. Uh, if you if you if you allow it to be anyway. Um, but yeah, that's that's why it's so powerful to be changing, you know, the perception that it's an ordinary moment to to flipping the result being, oh, that's that's the feeling I'm chasing um, and flipping that and making that the process like, oh, like this double is could be the the defining moment of of my my season right like and i get to do this i i got up out of bed and i and i feel not great but i i still can get out the door and i know like after a mile or two i'll be feeling good i'll be out in nature i'll be out um, on a campus that's just covered in in absolutely beautiful trees and greenery and you know, I'm, I'm running past a lake. Like, there's just so many ways to frame it that's um, that takes the ordinariness out of it. And then, you know, it just makes it so much more enjoyable. You you look for those ordinary what you used to constitute as ordinary moments because it because it's not anymore. You know, it's it's just so much more. Yeah. When you're in something like an injury as well, I feel like in those moments when you're cross training yeah. or you're swimming or you're not able to do anything depending on the injury. Those are the moments when you think to past times when you you were able to run or crush workouts or crush long runs or races, and you're like, I would trade anything in the world to experience yeah. that feeling again. And that right. almost brings the runs, the doubles, the moments that running absolutely sucks in the moment meaning. Because it's like, oh, I remember when I was on the bike working my butt off and I would trade anything for this. And even though this run sucks right now and it's so hot or my legs are heavy or sore, like that version of me would do anything for this. So as you were saying, kind of sw switching your mindset from like, you know, I have to do this double to like, oh, I get to do this double. And me three months ago when I was injured, like would have died to do this, you know? Um, exactly. Do you have that, those feelings now? I mean, I know you had an injury a few months ago. Like, do you have those feelings yeah. and thoughts now? Uh, totally. I, I try to, I try to hold on to that feeling of, of losing the ability to do what I love. Um, and, and, and framing everything I do now, um, all of the monotonous tasks, um, all the consistent doubling and working out and, and all of that. I, uh, I try to frame it in a way that to, to make me appreciative of the fact that I'm out there. You know, that just that simple fact that I'm out there doing it, my I'm healthy. Um, because yeah, I was I was on the bike, I was on the bike for hours on end. And it, it gives you a lot of time to think about Oh, man, you know, you're seeing like your teammates out practicing warming it up. And it, yeah, it just reminds me of it. It, it gives meaning to all of those, those ordinary tasks, all those ordinary days. Um, so yeah, part of, of keeping that meaning is just to not forget like how, how uh, in, in comparison, the, the period of injury, cross training and all that, um, the inability to do, to do what you love um, is, is just so important, um, you know, because when you, when you lose that, that, from that mindset, that the, the memory of what it's like, then, then you know, it's, it's ordinary again. But I mean, ordinary isn't bad at the same time, you know, um, you don't necessarily have to change the mindset that, oh, I have to make this something that it's not, you know, um, sometimes it's, it's taking the moment as it is and then, and finding ways in which maybe it's, it's more than that, you know, like, oh, this is so peaceful right now. 
um, I'm, I'm just out and I'm, I'm in my own thoughts. Like this morning I did like a little six mile run just to cap off my weekly mileage. Um, and it was a little overcast, a little drizzly. So objectively, you know, it wasn't like that nice of a day, but I was like, oh man, it's so cool out. Um, I'm listening to some, some 70 mellow 70 hits right now. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's what it needs to be right now, you know, and that's it. Um, and you know, I was, I was thinking of, of being on the bike and how, you know, how tough that is. It's, it's beautiful to be able to get out, go for a run, no pain, legs are a little sore, but I'll take that. Do you ever get frustrated or think about how the outside world really glorifies specific performances or the flashy stuff? And a great example, I had Kai Robinson on the podcast a few months ago, mm-hmm. and in the beginning, we talked about a 10-mile tempo that uh, he and you did. I think you were right behind him towards the end, 10 miles, 448 average. And that video on Instagram has over 300, no, it's like up to 400,000 views. Like people just went nuts about it because it's so flashy, right? Like 10 miles, yeah. 448. Like most yeah. people watching that are probably can't do that for a mile. So it's like out of this world. And that's why like it just gets clicks. Um, but same thing with a race. Like you might place fourth in the 10K at the NCAA championships. And like people are going nuts about it. But they don't talk about or understand all the hard work that went into it. Or even maybe people who follow you on Strava, like that's a good example of like being able to see more of your work. But even they don't see the pre-run and post-run mobility you're doing or what your diet looks like or the foam rolling before bed. Like I don't even know what that looks like. Do you ever think about how much goes into these performances or that 10-mile tempo, but people only see the result and not the journey to get to those places? No, I I honestly like for the most part, I really don't think about it um, because it's – it's a habit. I've I've habituated myself to 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 stretch in the morning, stretch before I go to bed. Um, you know, we all rope stretch before we go for a workout or a run as a team. Um, and you know, I know what my body needs in terms of fuel before and after I run. I eat like the same breakfast every day. I don't know. You could you could frame that as pretty pretty boring, um, pretty bland. But I guess it, when you compare it against um, the performative like nature of of like society, you know, go, you go on Instagram, TikTok, and it's just you know it's reels. It's just like the highlights of of everybody's um, results in a sense, all the things they've been doing. And in comparison, yeah, obviously it's 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 very boring. It's objectively not that interesting. Um, so that's why I think it's it's so uh, helpful and um, rejuvenating just to, you know, if you need to, take a break from it all. And once again, like kind of get back in the mindset that it's, that the ordinary, that there's like value in that. Um, it doesn't need to be flashy all the time. Um, because yeah, the 10 mile tempo, doing that with Kai, like that was, in the moment, like it was, uh, or I guess after the fact, it was pretty, pretty insane. You know, um, we weren't really thinking about it during, um, you know, it, it was kind of like the, one of the last workouts I did before, um, my, I just took time off for my, my Achilles thing. Um, and so that was something I thought of a lot. Um, just the fact that it was, it was like this really flashy thing. And I was like, so proud of it because it, it, it was like, a a direct correlation to all of this this work I put in um, behind the scenes. So 
Um, it was something that I could appreciate because I, I knew all these little, little things that I had done. So um, yeah, Kai and I both, I think, shared that. Yeah, I don't even think necessarily people should be like glorifying the pre-run mobility work or like <laughs> breakfast might right, be a yeah. little weird, but I, I just yeah. think that like, I don't know, I think the outside wor- world like glorifies the flashy stuff and mm. with anything in life, whether it's running or culture or, you know, school, yeah. whatever it might yeah. be, they glorify the flashy yeah. stuff, but they don't like understand the things mm. that go be behind the scenes, even with this podcast when it's out there, like I'll have to edit it. I'll have to think through the the title. I'll have to write the show notes. I'll probably make a few Instagram reels. Like, you know, I spent time preparing for the podcast as much as this is just like complete conversation. Like, I don't know, but people will only see the finished product. And I think there's both beauty in that, that there's work that no one will ever understand behind the scenes, but also a sense of like, I don't know. I wish people would see the work behind the scenes. Maybe that's just me though. I don't know. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And I think with that, there's this misconception that there exists a quick fix to go back to like that quote you gave. Um, when you when you don't see all of the work that goes behind the scenes, you you don't understand what it requires. Um, so yeah, it, it's tough to relate and to describe like what is really required of it because um, that's just not you know it's not it's not advertised. So, yeah, I totally feel that, you know, that it, I wish that there was, there was some um, understanding of that, but at the same time, I think it, to what you said, it is beautiful because it's, it's personal. Right. Um, It's behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm curious from your perspective, (laughs) you're on a podcast with me. How much do you feel like you want to express different things that are going on within your running or within your life? versus keeping them personal. And what I mean by that is like, you've had setbacks this last year, you've had injuries, you know, we've talked about them on the podcast, we've, you know, naturally, when they're on the podcast, anyone in the world can listen and multiple, you know, hundreds, thousands of people are going to listen. What are the thoughts that go on in your head? Or do you not think about it at all of like, you know, sharing your experience? Do you find that hard to do? Because these are naturally hard things to share and talk about? Or do you feel kind of freeing to put it out there and know that, you know, people can be positively impacted who are going through the same thing like how do you view that kind of um those storylines if that makes sense of like the things you go through and publicizing them no i think it is helpful i i didn't have really anybody to look up to as i was getting into the sport um that that gave like a a a good insight into like what was required i just kind of had to learn by trial and error and I did have mentors who who helped me um, kind of develop good habits and and know what was required to to be successful um, as an athlete and generally as a person, right? Um, but yeah, I, I think for the most part, it's it's helpful to to go against this very common narrative that there's quick fixes um, in everything and. Um, because I mean, I personally would, would like to know like it, what, what do the best athletes in the world, like, how, how can I get better? How can I be like them? And so that's something that I always, I like to, to engage with and to learn more about is like, what do these guys do that I'm not doing? Um, and although it is like a personal and maybe difficult, I don't know if difficult is the right word to say, but yeah, obviously there's 
something like an injury that's not like part of me as an athlete wants to be invincible, right? Like I, I don't want to, to show any type of, of weakness. Um, I want my body to work hundred percent of the time at its full capacity. But um, I think that's also not a very healthy mindset to have because it's just not true. Um, but if you look purely at the, the narrative that's on your Instagram feed, that's like, that's what it looks like. Um, so I think it's, it's a healthy way of, of, uh, of creating like a paradigm shift, to, of, you know, this is what it is actually like an injury is a part of that process as difficult as it is. Um, and so if, if I can use that as like a, as a learning experience, as a way of educating other people, um, other athletes, then I, I feel like that's, that's part of my my responsibility as an athlete, to be honest. There's a saying, comparison is the thief of joy, and I certainly think that is a true mm-hmm. statement. How do you approach comparison? You've mentioned a few times that, you know, when you go on social media, it's a curated feed of people's, like, highlight reels. Obviously, I completely agree with that. I think everyone listening will agree with that. I think it's certainly true. You know, even you, like, um, and I don't think this is a bad thing. I would do the exact same mm-hmm. thing. You're going to post oh, yeah. after an achievement at NCAAs, you're not going to post in the middle of an Achilles injury like, hey, guys, going through an Achilles injury. Like, what's up? Yeah, <laughs> Everyone congratulate me in the like, comments. Um, right. So I'm just curious, how do you personally approach comparison both in the real world on social media, but also within a hyper-specific competitive environment mm-hmm. that is NCAA Division One running where you have to be at your best to compete for titles, to compete for All-American spots, even on your team, you know? I think Kai had this really good yeah. saying that, there are no back-to-back days that the same person's the best on the team. Like people are constantly raising the bar. So how do you view comparison and how do you kind of work through maybe some of the negative aspects of it? You know, I I think my faith is something that is really pivotal in, in this like comparison. Um, Like I, I, I definitely struggle with comparing myself against other athletes, other people and especially in like a time of injury um you know that's that's a a lot of time to ruminate and 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 just like see other people succeeding and it's tough because you're you're stagnant it feels like you're stagnant like you're not progressing in any way but um i think having having a faith being a christian i i use that um as as building or testing my my trust and my faith that this is the path I meant to to walk. This is my this is what my process looks like, and just like trusting in that, um, and that's it. You know, like there there isn't really any more than that, um, and that's that's so difficult to to do in practice. But uh, with kind of with the setbacks that I've had, it it's like a it's a necessary lesson you have to learn to to rally um to come back stronger and to 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 have fortitude when when you're you're out for a month or however long it is you know um what what is it that is 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 keeping you focused on the the goal you have on getting back back healthy and everything um so yeah, that, that, that's a really big um, piece of that for me is, is just having that faith, having 
having that trust. You shared like early on in that conversation uh, that quote, um, and hopefully I don't butcher it, but essentially like, you know, learning the lessons from the adversity and, and the adversity and the, the tougher times really shaping you into the person who you want to become and teaching you those lessons that only adversity can. What are some mm. of the biggest lessons you think you learned from the hamstring injury as well as the Achilles injury that you've experienced over like the past half year? Mm. And, and lessons that in the moment you didn't think you were learning and maybe it was a tougher time, but removed from it now, months removed from it, you're like, I learned this and this, even though it absolutely sucked in the moment and I didn't think I was gaining anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think one that comes to my mind is, is the fact that, um, despite like what I, I feel like progress would look like that it should be linear and injury and especially like multiple injuries back to back like that, if that happens, you know, it's like, I don't know, it, that isn't what progress looks like. Um, like you can't, that's that's objectively like a negative and detrimental thing um but i i think something that i've i've learned through that is is that yeah progress is not a linear is definitely not a linear pro um a linear process and um i don't know i think i'm still learning um lessons even after like removed a couple months from 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 injury um so i don't know if i i really have uh next podcast <laughs> a total i know right yeah that's the thing um yeah it, it could be months from now that that i look back and i'm like oh you know that was that was what i was meant to learn from it um but yeah i mean i don't know i i am so easy or so quick to forget the the fact that I'm vulnerable and that I am I'm mortal um, because like when you're when everything's clicking you know you just feel invincible and um, as you know going back to my faith like as a Christian like the I I have to trust that that the the plan that that God is unraveling for me um, that these different things that happen in my life that they have um, some meaning that will ultimately be in my in my favor um so yeah a lot, a lot of it just generally speaking has been um has been thinking of of these different things in in a new way in a, a new light um but yeah and again like part of it is the fact that i i am not really sure what 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 i'm supposed to be learning yet um so maybe that's a lesson the fact that I don't know what the lesson is. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. This is really, really deep, but we'll go there. Um, yeah, as a, yeah, as yeah. a fellow Christian, how hard is it for you? Cause it's very hard for me to trust mm. in God's plan specifically when things aren't going how you want. And yeah, it can be yeah. hard to trust a higher power and be like, you know, the, the cliche saying, although it is true, like all in his mm. timing, you know, all in God's mm. timing or like, you know, his ways are greater than ours. You know, his plan is greater than ours. It sounds so easy to adopt and be like, oh, yeah, you know, we're good. Like, it's all in God's <laughs> hands. But I feel like half the time our minds are like, no, it's not fine. Like, why is yes. this not working out? Like, do you struggle with that as well? And how do you kind of work through some of those thoughts? Because 
those are thoughts like I have quite a bit, specifically like, you know, in my final year of high school, like figuring out my future. It's like, okay, why isn't this working out? Like I'm working hard for this or like different things where our own personal wills maybe are conflicting with God's and we have a hard time letting go of our own personal desires. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. With, with within like having injuries and setbacks and all of that, it is a constant reminder and a lesson that I I continually learn again as if for the first time that my my will is not is not the same as God's, right? Like I I can't understand, I can't possibly understand um, what what the meaning of or what what's best for me, right? I think I know what's best for me and and if it, if it was up to me, you know, I, everything would go great, right? I, I'd be this, I, I would never get injured. I would be winning every single race, you know, yada, yada. Um, but it's like I said earlier, you know, there's no, you don't grow as a person or even as an athlete necessarily with, without um, a, a level of adversity. So I think, you know, God, you, you can, a lot of, I think a lot of the lessons that, that God puts in my life is, is that, is that, um, that I, I do need a level of adversity and a level of, um, of suffering to, to really appreciate anything else. Um, so yeah, but man, I, I wish if I, if I knew God's will, then I would be him. Right. So I've just had to learn to, to, to not, to be okay with not knowing and to be okay with not understanding. Um, because yeah, a lot of the time I, I think I do and I don't, <laughs> but that's such a difficult, such a difficult lesson. To right. For sure. Another thing I was thinking about, uh, before I asked the question, I just asked, I had like two questions that I thought of and I asked you one of them. The second question was, you know, we're speaking on the lessons you've learned from these different um, setbacks or injuries and just the lessons that, you know, the sport has taught you in general. That's something I've been reflecting a lot on recently is how I would not be the person I am today without the sport of running. And it's very easy to say for you, like, obviously you would not be the person you are without the sport of running. Like, you know, you probably wouldn't be at Stanford. I mean, maybe you would, like you certainly wouldn't have NCAA all American titles, like who you are as an individual and the attributes and the experiences that make up who Cole Sprout is probably would be completely different if it were not for that sport. How often do you think about how powerful sport is, whether it's running or something else, and how there are certain lessons that only sport can teach you? I think about it somewhat often, yeah. Um, because, it, yeah, it's so influential in my life. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of what my day is made up of, a lot of what I structure everything around. So, yeah, I can't help but think of, of how it has shaped my life and how I would be radically different if I never, if I never had it in my life. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting because I'll never know. Um, and in one of my, one of my philosophy classes, it, we're talking a lot about like free will and, um, um, whether or not we have it and how, what, what that looks like in our, in our lives and how our lives could look differently, um, if we do certain things. So, yeah, but it, it, it's so I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm continually thinking of, of, of how my life would look if I, if I didn't have sport. Um, and I think 
being somewhat removed. Um, well, I'm still in the sport, obviously, but um, but just like looking back in in like how I got into the sport and and where it's led me, like I think God. I don't know. I, I can't. I can't say what what God has intended. That would be that would be a little rash on my behalf. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful because, like it, yeah, like you said, it's 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 opened so many doors for me. Um, I'm I'm at some place that I I never could have gotten to without without it in my life. Um, I like that you gave me the benefit of the fe- benefit of the doubt of getting into my own to Stanford, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, that's definitely not the case. Um, but yeah, that, that was the gift that, that God gave me to, um, to, to live his, his purpose, to, to share his word, um, and to build my, my platform on. So, um, yeah, I think in, in, in all of that, in the lessons that he's, he's taught me, it's, it's that, you know, I don't know. Some and and that's the thing. Like, obviously, it's such a clear like. Oh, well, this is my gift. Like, it's it's opened like a ton of doors. It's obvious that like, this is something that that God has given me. Um, so it's easy to attribute that with with God's intention, will perhaps. But um, but that's not always the case. You know, um, I think it's that there's a lot of other like gifts and and talents that. That God that God uh, uh, imparts on all of us that we we can't and don't cultivate um, without different um, adversity in our lives to give us a new perspective and maybe that's the only time that we can realize oh you know like this there's this whole side of me that I never really knew about um, and that's where the growth happens I think so. I don't know. I, I went off on a complete tangent. I love I, it, bro. <laughs> I, I just like, I was thinking, I was like, oh, you know, that's kind of good. So I thought I'd say that. Um, yeah, but I don't know. We're say, I'm so- saying this now. We need a monthly podcast episode where <laughs> I can just go deep into f- philosophical yeah, topics yeah. because after last episode, um, when we ra- randomly somehow went down a philosophical rabbit hole, although it happened in this episode too. I was like, I really enjoyed that. I really liked that. And people received it well. And I was like, I want to do That's that more. Cool. But there's so few guests. And this is just being honest with you and honestly being vulnerable with the audience. Like, mm. I don't think half my guests could speak the way you just did or speak on the subjects or answer the questions. Uh, mm. I think, you know, to affirm you, um, and please accept it, you are <laughs> a fantastic individual who has gone leaps and bounds within these areas of thought and study and it shows in your responses and in your answers and also you might be like well I kind of gave you half answers or I don't really have it figured out and it's like exactly <laughs> that's the yeah, whole point well, of philosophy uh, is that yeah. you don't have it figured out and you're trying to you know find mm-hmm. the answers and find meaning and adversity and all the different things we talked about so I greatly appreciate you going in depth on these subjects um, and I do have a running podcast for a reason and I would never do this with the first episode with someone but like I don't know these are the things that bring out value to the listener and to the audience mm-hmm. are the deep subjects because very people are doing it you know yeah I could talk about your Strava and go through every run with you and, and it would probably be kind of cool but like right. it's not the same level of value than talking yeah. about specific subjects that are deep and meaningful and you're trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out 
So I don't know. There's yeah. some rambling on on our discussion today, no, yeah. but I love it's it. Like you said, it's not as relatable. Um, you know, if I'm talking about running whatever time at whatever national competition, there's a very small subset of people who can definitely like can can relate to that and who maybe even care. Um, so yeah, I think having like these these talks are just like I don't know what 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 it means to find purpose in, in um, different um, conditions of, of, of being human. It, um, it's a lot, it's, it's more relatable. Um, so and yeah, and I find it interesting because there's so many unanswerable questions um, within it all that it's, I don't know, you can just talk about it forever and, <laughs> and you'll, never, right. you'll never arrive at, a, at an answer. So um, yeah. It's the best type of rabbit hole. Hopefully we can do a podcast in heaven one day and be like, what were they talking about? We have the answers now. I actually, on a normal level, <laughs> on a normal note, although you never know with us, you might go down another philosophical rabbit hole. This season, yeah. you rebounded from this Achilles injury. You ran 28-30 at the Peyton Jordan Invitational where you play second. And then uh, for those that don't know, a big thing at Stanford is the big meet. Uh, you had the 128th edition this year. It's kind of a dual meet between Stanford and and uc if i'm not mistaken uh cal yeah yeah, yeah. uc berkeley yeah. whatever they call them berkeley, yeah. yeah um i feel like there's so many different names for like the california public schools <laughs> ucla uc yeah. berkeley all of them and at that meet you place fourth in the 15 uh 347 and then second in the 3k 809 and if i'm not mistaken the big meets always like points 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 you guys don't really yeah. care about time so take me through those performances how you're feeling this season and your outlook going into the final month of the year mm. not the final month of the year final meet <laughs> not final meet final month <laughs> of the track season yes there you go um yeah yeah i mean it felt yeah it felt incredible just to get back on the track um and and race for the first time in in a couple months so um yeah the 10k I opened up my season with at peyton jordan and um yeah that that was uh it was more of like a hard tempo effort just to get the time i needed to qualify for regionals and not do too much not overextend myself um first time back especially with a in a race that's 25 laps so um that felt really good that gave me a a, a big confidence boost because it um it, it was just what i needed for for that time of the season um for where i was at uh fitness wise and 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 everything so um yeah since then um, like you said we we had the big meet that was this past week weekend and um yeah again more of obviously we're, we're going for points but um it's also like a just kind of like a speed work type of day um so i did the 15 first and then doubled back for the 3k um, both were pretty tactical races just kind of um uh, a kick finish type of of race um more so for the 15 the 3k we were we treated more as like a structured workout. We, Charles and I alternated lead for the first mile, um, just going like 60, 67 ish, um, just to go, through, I think we came through in like four or 30, I think a little under that. Um, and then we just like cut down um, a second or two each lap going from like 65 to uh, 60, like two, 61. And then like we closed in a, in a, I don't know, 50, 57, 58. Um, and yeah, just really trying to get those, those gears going. Um, Cause I haven't, 
had too much um, all-out speed work yet, um, at least like in a race setting. So that was a great just kind of, uh, as Coach Santos would put it, blow out the legs type of day. Um, so, yeah, felt great just to, well, it didn't feel great in the moment because um, <laughs> my body wasn't really used to it. But um, after the fact, I could tell like I was kind of clicking again, getting back in that groove. So, um, yeah, in workouts, I've been feeling better. I'm not getting dropped off the back um as as egregiously which is is great news um as we're going into like the pac 12 championship season um so yeah really excited yeah, i think i'm gonna run like the the 5k um at pac 12 i think it's down in near la in walnut california whatever that is and um i think it's at mount sac uh, yeah oh there you go yeah fast so, track yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for that um just to get out and and with like a a decent amount of work and fitness under my belt go after a 5k um and then just do what i need to do to get to nationals you know um step by step i'm curious with this season with your history of incredible results in the ncaa and coming back from injuries and you know being on this progression what would you consider success for this season um doesn't even have to be from an outcome standpoint per se although it could be could be process, could be outcome, could be even just soaking in the experiences that come. Like, wh- what are you looking to, I don't want to say check the boxes, but like at the end of the season, what are some things you want to have accomplished and be proud of? Mm, I mean, there's definitely some process-based goals that I have in mind. Um, obviously, qualifying for nationals is uh, is uh, the first thing you need to do. But um, yeah, getting all American or better. Like, um, I, yeah, I don't see why, um, why I don't try and, uh, better my performance from last year. Um, because honestly, like with, with my altered and shortened progression from what I would normally have going into this outdoor season, um, for one, I've had to just put my faith in the progression that, that, um, I'll, I'll be fit and, and sharp when the, when the time is right, when I need to be. And so that's, that's been a little bit of a, of a, of a learning curve for me, just not having everything go in my way, going into the season and just trusting that, that it will work out the way it's meant to and the way it needs to. Um, so, yeah. And I guess that's more of like a process-based goal is just taking every day in stride, making the most of it and leaving the season, knowing that I truly gave everything I could given the, given the circumstances. Um, and that's, you know, it's really, it's really all you can do. So, um, yeah, but I, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm feeling better every day. Um, and so I'm, I'm incredibly excited just to shake it up with, with, uh, the best in the country when the time is right. Well, Cole, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure doing this podcast. I, I threw up a, a questions thing on Instagram yesterday and we got a few, but, uh, you know, the podcast cool. we've already been talking for a while. So I'll just ask you the best one we got and end it on a fun light note. Uh, I think this is the best, one of the better questions I've ever been asked to ask a guest. The question from Susanna, shout out. She asked, what is your favorite cooking utensil and why? Whoa. Interesting question. Very interesting. Ooh. Um, cooking utensil. Um, does a blender count as a cooking utensil? I think it counts. It cooks things. Or maybe know? buns yeah. things and then they get well, cooked. Well, yeah. <laughs> I won't say it cooks things. 
Right. Yeah, that's definitely a utensil of, of, of a sort. Yeah, that's probably my favorite um, because I, I'm a really big fan of smoothies um, and smoothie bowls specifically. Um, and recently, our, our dining hall got uh, like the smoothie bowl bar, acai smoothie bowl bar thing. And I, I have that like after every dinner, just a little, little dessert. Um, so although I'm not making it with my own blender, like it reminds you me admire the home. blender. That's like a post run. Like, oh, I want a little, like, I want a refreshing snack. Like that's, that's what I go for. So yeah, blender all the way. Versatile tool too. Yeah. Well, Cole, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully run it back uh, in person. First ever in-person yeah. interview next month in Austin. We'll see. Regardless, always welcome back on the podcast and appreciate the, the depth and wealth of information and wisdom you provided today. Mm. Mm. Thank you for having me again. Always, always a fun time. Always deep. And like you said, wealth of, of conversation we have. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I don't take your time for granted, and I hope that today's episode impacted you and left you walking away inspired and all the more motivated to chase after your biggest goals and walking away a better version of yourself. Make sure you're following the podcast, have given us a five-star review, and consider sharing with a friend. Through that, we can reach new people and hopefully inspire them in the process. Also, make sure you're following us on social media at The Running Effect to stay up to date on all the exciting projects and all the new episodes coming out. Generally, we release two to three episodes per week, so stay tuned for all of those coming your way shortly. I hope you're running and life is going well. Guys, keep chasing mastery, and I will catch you in next episode.